Welcome to PD Insider, the podcast edition. In each episode, we bring you conversations with experts in the law firm professional development community so that you can stay current on industry trends, topics, and innovations. In this episode, PLI's Craig Miller speaks with Andy Hales of Venable. Andy discusses his unique position heading firm-wide training at Venable and Venable's successful use of a centralized professional development and training model. Their conversation also covers support networks the firm has adopted in response to the nationwide civil rights demonstrations. Welcome, Andy. We're pleased to see you today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Before we get to our topic, I'd like to begin by recognizing that in addition to a global health emergency, the U.S. is confronting a racial injustice and civil rights emergency resulting most recently from the death of George Floyd. Has your firm and your department been able to address the matter in any way? We have and we are. Um, What has happened on top of an already horrible situation um, were several one after another horrific events, um, all stemming from systematic racism and intolerance, not just Mr. Floyd, but Mr. Arbery, Um, uh, Breonna Taylor, so many others. Um, And we are heartened as a firm um, that people were reaching out to our firm's leaders, our diversity leaders, our pro bono coordinators, asking, you know, what can we do? Um, We want to, you know, we're sickened by this. We want to do something. Um, And so this week, uh, tomorrow, actually, we're having educational forums Um, The first is going to be a firm-wide for everybody, all lawyers, all staff coming together for a panel discussion with some of the lawyers who have, um, they have a background in civil rights. They come from families who have studied racism and injustice for decades, Um, talking about the, 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 the way that the country has set up a, a structure um, that encourages status and um, that that goes all the way back to the deep south and how things haven't changed that much frankly in hundreds of years um, and what what do we need to do to elicit change in this country right now um, and we'll talk about some of the things that our lawyers have been doing around police brutality and racial profiling and and other things um, and then we have Um, some of our business professionals on the panel as well. And then um, beginning Friday and um, into the next couple of weeks, we're going to have small listening sessions, small group listening sessions of 10 to 15 people because people want to talk about this. Um, And so we have a discussion guide created to really encourage constructive dialogue around race and racism. And then um, and with a call call to action of what people can do personally um, on, you know, based on their time budget, their personal budget um, to fight racism. Well, it's very encouraging to see institutions actually, uh, and institutions that are close to, you know, the power structure of the country to actually uh, take an active role this time, making it seem as if, you know, this time might be might be different. Uh, you know, I'm proud to say that PLI has made a number of its resources available without charge. It's taken down the paywall on a variety of programming that has to do with diversity and inclusion. Uh, 
on civil rights litigation, such as Section 1983 enforcement actions. Uh, and, uh, and we've also uh, reposted uh, a PD Insider that dealt with the topic of uh, disrupting implicit bias, both at an institutional and individual uh, level. So uh, we'll see what, what comes out of all this. Uh, just returning to our topic, uh, would, would you agree that the, the learning and development needs of lawyers and staff were typically seen as distinct from each other? No, there's no doubt about it. Um, in fact, it's not just the training and development department that is, is, has been typically seen as distinct. Um, you know, regular human resources matters and performance evaluation and all of these areas have been seen as, you know, separate areas at a lot of firms. Yes. So, so knowing that, how, how does one make the case for a centralized professional development and training department for firm-wide uh, learning? You know, we got to a point where there was training being delivered all over the firm, and there were um, there were training programs put on by our human resources department um, for our professional staff. We had a number of of departments, like our practice management department, our IT department, who were providing training. Uh, we had affinity groups who were doing programming. We had my group, which was which was mostly focused on lawyer development at the time, all doing similar trainings um, with similar topics, but hiring different people, having different content. And it came to a point where we decided, you know, shouldn't we be coordinated on this? Um, so uh, in terms of business case, it's just, it's be coordinated. It's to reduce the duplication of effort. And frankly, it's to improve the quality of training that we're providing. It's a huge investment. Um, and there's no reason to be doing it uh, in silos. That makes perfect sense. Uh, but can you talk about the connection between the content that you develop uh, to train attorneys and staff? You know, when we, when, before we were combined, uh, like I said, the, the human resources department and some of these affinity groups were training on exactly the same topics that we were training lawyers on. So communication skills, management skills, project management skills. Um, and so by combining them, by combining into one department, we were able to both realize efficiencies, um, economies of scale by hiring fewer trainers, but also being more coordinated and um, more complementary on the content. And so we've developed a system so that you take, you take a, a, a topic like communication skills, for example. Um, we, rather than uh, offer communication skills to the arguably unique audiences, um, we have we have one coordinated effort on developing content that's going to that's going to be complementary, and so we roll out communication skills. We don't necessarily have mixed audiences all the time. Communication skills is a really good example of how we had a program for most of our support staff: secretaries, legal secretaries, paralegals, um, project coordinators. They had uh, one version of communication skills. Then we. Um, delivered almost the same content for our managers in a program we call our manager summit and that had the same foundation but brought it up a level um, to give our managers tools checklists things that they can use to facilitate meetings better and then we have 
another version for our lawyers, um, which communication skills for lawyers is a little bit different. It's um, facilitating meetings with clients. It's standing up in a courtroom. So the foundations of communication skills spans all of these different programs, but it's coordinated. And you differentiate as needed. So we differentiate uh, as needed. Great. you know, right now with uh, all but skeleton staffs on site, uh, law firm people are working from home. Uh, has the centralized model been a help or a hindrance or not had any impact uh, for addressing the training required, you know, for the, for the dispersed workforce that we are today? Well, lucky for our department, um, we've been very busy in this, you know, pandemic work from home environment, probably busier than ever. Um, we, there was a huge uptick from the beginning because people who had to work from home who've never done it before um, suddenly and abruptly needed to work from home. And so there was a huge training effort to teach people not only how to log into the firm's networks, but what are some of the best practices for setting up a workspace and staying productive while maintaining your sanity. Um, And then as we got along and we realized that this isn't just an extended snow day, there were, there were, there were ways we had to, we had to train people to do their jobs differently. And so digital signatures is a good example of a technology that's been around a really long time, but um, a lot of people weren't using it and now they're forced to use it. Um, And so we had a huge effort on things like digital signatures, uh, paperless billing. Um, You know, we're a firm that before 90 days ago was still printing pre-bills on green paper and circulating it in inner office mail. Well, that, that's simply not possible. Um, and so we took a couple of weeks um, training people on how to get the bills out the door in a different way. So that and, you know, people have time for, uh, some people have time for more professional skills training and then taking advantage of it. That's interesting. So uh, technology and digitalization have certainly been drivers of, uh, of the uptick in, in need. And, uh, you know, I can say from a PLI perspective, the demand on our training has never been greater. The utilization of our content online right now is the highest it's ever been. And uh, it's, you know, we're, we're great, you know, we're grateful that people are able to turn to us and that we're able to hopefully supply them with something that they need in order to make it through this time. Uh, and I think even as people think of what are they gonna do in terms of their own practice, the substance of their practice in response uh, to the changes that, that are taking place, you know, we see an uptick in content, in the use of content, uh, around things like financial restructuring uh, and uh, and other things that may be some fallout uh, from the current situation too. Mm-hmm. So to the extent that we can help people, uh, you know, support people in their career activity moving forward, I think that would be a, a, a great thing. But the demand, people actually using training, you, you know, utilizing the resources has been, never been higher. Yeah. I'll mention business development too. I mean, right now we have to develop business and maintain client relationships in a completely different way. And no longer are people, do you need to be in the same city as your client? And so it has expanded, um, expanded our, our lawyer's ability to reach out to, to clients and prospective clients and, um, and build relationships with them. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, you know, these tools, like you said, have been there for a long time, whether it's uh, virtual deal rooms and, uh, you know, people don't all get together in one room like they used to, uh, to close on something. They can do that virtually. Uh, obviously, e-signature, I think, is a great example of a technology uh, whose time, it, well, if it wasn't, if it hadn't already come, is certainly ripe at this moment. So, uh, I mean, the, the, the push 
to, to make sure everyone is competent in the digital technologies, I think is, is, is really clear. Um, just in terms of uh, the, the basics, what, what is the size of the PD and training department and, and what kinds of roles and organizational structure uh, do, you, do you employ? Our PD and training department is 13 people. Um, and we have on staff five trainers. Um, those trainers are mostly dedicated to IT and technical skills. Um, we have two e-learning specialists, people. We do a great deal of developing our own e-learning modules in-house. Um, we have two people dedicated to that. We have an onboarding coordinator, which is relatively new to the firm. Um, 2019 was a huge year in onboarding, both lawyers and staff. And so we have someone who's dedicated to the smooth red carpet experience for onboarding our people um, and then helping, helping smooth over integration and make sure that that stays on track. Um, and we have uh, a professional development manager dedicated to our lawyers programs. Um, and she also runs our associate evaluation process. Uh, and then we have a director of career development who is a confidential advisor to our associates. And you can talk to her about absolutely anything. Um, and then she also acts as a trainer for many of our programs too. She, she and, and myself lead a number of programs at the firm. Well, that's interesting. When I, when I think of Venable, I, I think of the merger uh, about two years ago with the New York IP boutique of Fitzpatrick Cella. Uh, I was wondering if you could describe the role that you and your team play uh, in, the, uh, in, in, in the integration of lateral hires and others into the firm. So our team takes the lead on integration at the firm. Um, we have a tradition at our firm called the Veranda Sit. And it's been around for many years, long before I joined the firm. And before a lateral partner is voted into the partnership or a group of partners is voted into the partnership, we have our Veranda Sit meeting. And sometimes it's in a conference room, sometimes it's a video conference. And these days we're doing it by Zoom, like this meeting. And it's an opportunity for the partners of the firm to meet the new partners before the vote, talk to them about their practice, talk about relationships they might have in common. And it's certainly two way. It's, it's an opportunity for the lateral partners to meet some of their future partners. And uh, me and a, and a small group of integration point persons uh, will attend the veranda set and start to have a conversation about onboarding. And I like to describe it as a red carpet experience, as I said before. And so we'll, I'll introduce myself as their go-to person for anything. Um, you know, my, my job is to help make sure you have a smooth transition, and then I'll introduce them to people who will help them with getting their physical things moved over, getting their electronic files moved over, um, getting clients transferred, issuing a press release, all of the things that are associated with moving to a new firm. And then um, we have... Uh, we have a typical orientation and then um, at intervals over the course of their first year, uh, I'll meet with them uh, sometimes individually, sometimes as an integration team at three months and six months and 12 months and a couple other spots in between. Um, and we have a discussion guide in each of those, um, each of those times, just finding out how, how is the integration going and who from the firm have they brought in on their matters and what matters are they working on? Um, for traditional Venable clients? And have they visited other offices yet? And have they attended certain practice group meetings yet? And 
we have that relationship, like I said, in a formal way over the, the course of their, their first full year. Um, and then we supplement it with some activities like a, a sort of a retreat style program for laterals and a couple other things along the way. Well, it sounds like a, a very well-structured and professional uh, approach. Although when you first say veranda sit, it, to me, it, uh, it co conjures images of a mint julep uh, <laughs> being involved, but uh, maybe that's just me. Uh, no, so. I think it's quite intentional. <laughs> okay. Sit out on the veranda and, and meet your partners. That's great. Uh, so well, what, what other types of initiatives have helped with the success of PDT? Um, a couple of things come to mind. First is that we completely retooled the firm's learning management system. Uh, we had an LMS for many years, which was mostly a repository of technical skills, you know, how to create a pivot table. You go to the LMS and you find a six-minute video. We've gotten a lot better use out of that. Um, and so we retooled it and rebranded re it um, and introduced some new features that were always there that were really not used um, to their fullest potential. So for example, we have a welcome new hire area of the LMS where people can go for information about the firm, refreshers on orientation, that sort of thing. Um, what I'm most proud of is something we call the PDT library. And we've curated all of our content into about a dozen toolkits. And so some examples might be manager essentials, project management tools, career development resources for associates. And all of these things are the best of our e-learnings. Uh, they are books that we have in our library. They are handouts from prior trainings in the form of checklists or you know, other things that would be useful, um, useful on their own. And we've curated it into toolkits so people can, uh, if you're a new manager and you're looking for, you've never given feedback to someone and you want a quick resource on how to give feedback to someone, you can go into the PDT collection and find a, a, a toolkit for some manager essentials. Well, I'm sure that, that sounds like a very robust resource and it sounds like a lot of thought and work went into uh, to establishing that. Um, as, as you've done this now, uh, could you talk about what were some of the challenges in terms of moving to the centralized function within the firm and how did you take them on? I think one of the challenges was like anything, change management. Um, and most of the people in our department had been part of the IT department for a lot of years. And now they were going to need to serve the firm in a different way. Um, and they still largely train IT and technical skills, um, but we've been able to get them involved in learning and development in other ways. And so both in developing content for some of the titles that I mentioned earlier, like the Manager Summit, for example, um, and getting engaged in some of these other uh, things like the rebranding re and, and the LMS effort. Um, and one of the ways we addressed that was through creating work groups um, that we call PDT teams. And so in the first few months of, of joining together, the staff training and the IT training and the lawyer training, um, I spoke to each person individually and and ask them about, you know, since this announcement, what's going through your mind? What are you most excited about? And then also ask questions about what they think their particular strengths are um, and what they are most interested in. And we were able to form work, work groups that um, not only got people 
to focus on their main interest area and leverage their strengths, but also encourage them to collaborate in different ways. Um, and so our, our, our first year, and it has spilled over currently, we've only made minor tweaks. We have six work groups um, or teams. Uh, uh, one team is dedicated to needs assessment and working with our evaluators and our managers on what are the training needs at both an individual level and a group level. We have a small team dedicated to um, department standards and templates so that as we develop content, there's a methodology and all of our handouts and resources look the same. We have an instructor-led training team looking at best practices for delivering training. We have a content reinforcement team, which is after a training is completed, how do we in three months, in six months, how do we reinforce that content? And I'm not talking about reminders, but what else can we do in order to make sure that, that we're reinforcing all of the good lessons of management skills and communication skills? We have a knowledge management team, which um, ran point on curating our content um, and the PDD collections. And then we have an onboarding team, which continues to take a critical look at how we onboard and how can we be more efficient at onboarding and how can we address the unique needs of laterals. Could you talk a little bit more about the needs assessment process and just what, uh, what steps you took uh, in deploying that? Yeah, sure. So the needs assessment, um, our two main areas of needs assessment right now are the evaluation process for both lawyers and staff, and then just staying in close contact with our managers. And so that's our practice group leaders on the lawyer side and our department managers on the staff side. Um, and we make a concerted effort to meet with them um, each year, once a year, and talk to them about what are the needs of your group this year? Again, both at a group level and an individual level. And we're informed by the self-assessment activity that our people go through. Um, on the associate side, for example, we have something called the career development plan that they write. And they took a look, they take a look at our associate development framework, which is our version of competencies and benchmarks, and they create goals for themselves. And that feeds into, okay, what are our training priorities for the year? What do our people need? What are they asking for? Um, and that's been really important in the, in the needs assessment. Um, and then the, 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 the part that we need to do, that we intend to do going forward is to do more work around assessments. Um, and that, that's mostly going to be some of your technical skills. Um, but we're, we're, the firm's currently undergoing a similar effort, competency effort for our support staff so that we can build out, you know, once we have competencies developed for support staff, we can build a curriculum that helps support that. Are you finding that the firm is becoming more uh, uh, in tune with the uh, uh, skills, the techno te technology skill development for their attorneys uh, than perhaps in the past that they are seeing that as a necessary competency and taking the steps uh, to enforce that? They are. And the attorneys have seen, I've been with Venable for 15 years. And so they see me as the training director. Um, and before we've, the firm's been offering these technical skills programs for years and years and years. But now that they make that connection between me, not only on the lawyer professional skills, but they also connect me to the technical skills, that's been helpful with driving lawyers into the technical skills classes as well.
Well, that's good. That's a, that's a really good outcome of the of the combined process then. Um, so finally, for the for the PD community, uh, what are some of the key takeaways or lessons learned uh, that you'd like to share with them uh, about centralizing the PD and training function at Venable? Um, one thing that I didn't fully appreciate is the busyness of the IT technical training function. Um, and so that I, in the beginning, had grand illusions of being able to repurpose many of our trainers for other types of skills, like having them teach time management and client service and some other things. Um, but the, the pace of technological changes is way too fast to get them involved in some of those things. And so there's always an upgrade to Adobe or a new accounting system or retooling windows or on and on and on. Um, and so they're constantly engaged in that. And now that those trainers are not a formal part of the IT department, we need to make sure we insert ourselves so that it's, it's not a message of, oh, next month we're going to have a, an upgrade of this major system. We need plenty of lead time in order to develop a, a, a good effective training. Um, so that needing to stay in touch with them has been really critical. And then second, um, you asked about needs assessment earlier, staying in contact with the managers and the, and the department heads and the practice group leaders um, in order to make sure we're providing the training that they need is also really, really important. And so that, that's something you can't do through email. Um, it can only be done through relationship building. So we try to get these groups of people together as groups to hear their feedback on professional development. And then um, it collectively, we have our goals to meet with them one-on-one -on -one and have those conversations. Oh, that's great. And that, that's, that's really insightful and really useful, I, I'm sure, for our audience. Uh, so I, I'd like to thank you, Andy, for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. And uh, I'd like to thank my guest, Andy Hales from Venable, for sharing his insights. We look forward to you joining us for another edition of PLI's PD Insider. This is Craig Miller of the Practicing Law Institute. Thank you. Be safe and be well.